was impossible to hold a conversation in such a place, and when the, ale, when the ale and food were carried to us, we ate and drank in silence, each with his own thoughts. A young man, slim, his face scarred, put his hand on Alka's shoulder and leaned down to whisper in her ear. She shook her head, but his hand slid down over her breast. Wow! Pirkula moved swiftly, pulling the man clear. Scanian said nothing, but his arm tensed and jerked. The unfortunate suitor flew back into the throng as if launched from a catapult. Mace chuckled and shook his head. <laughs> the noise behind us faded away and I turned to see this card young man moving forward again, but alongside him was a huge trapper dressed in wolfskin coat. The man was bald and beardless, but he sported a long red gold mustache braided at the end. He reached Pircolo and tapped his shoulder, giant's shoulder. You have insulted my brother, he said. Pircolo sighed and stood. Your brother has the manners of a donkey, he told <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge traveler with a long red cold mustache braided at dance. The newcomer smiled through, but he stole my brother, and while Karak is here, no one lays a hand on him. Even as he spoke to the man spoke the man launched a punch. Birkolo swayed back, his own hand sweeping up and the fingers closing around Karak's fist and catching it easily. I saw the Scanian's knuckles whiten as he squeezed the captured hand. Pircolo does not like to fight, he said softly. Pircolo likes to sit and drink in peace. The man's face twisted in pain, his right hand reaching for the dagger with his belt. Pircolo squeezed hard, <laughs> and I heard the knuckle crack. Karak <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> winced and groaned and his hand fell away from the dagger. It would be good for us to be friends, said Piccolo, and perhaps drink together. Yes, yes, <laughs> agreed the man, the word almost exploding from between clenched teeth. Good, said Piccolo with a wide smile. Releasing Karak, he patted his shoulder almost affectionately and turned back to his seat. In that moment, the man drew his dagger. <gasps> Crazy. Pircolo, his back turned, rammed his elbow into Karak's face, catching him on the bridge of the nose. Everyone in the room heard the bone break. Karak staggered back with blood pouring from his nostrils. Then, with a wild cry, he leapt at Pircolo. The Scanian stepped in to meet him, his fist thundering against the man's shin. There was a sickening crack, and the attacker fell, his knife clattering across the floorboards. You've killed him, shouted this card young man, dropping to his knees beside the body. For a moment, we all thought this might be true. <laughs> but the injured car groaned and tried to move. His jaw was shattered, his nose broken. Several men moved toward, forward to aid him, turning him to his back, where he lay gasping for some time before his friends gathered around him, carrying him from the room. <laughs> Could have made that fight last a little longer. I might have won a few bets, said Jeremy's. I do not like to fight, repeated Pircolo, downing the last of his ale. For someone who doesn't like it, you are rather good at it. Pircolo shrugged, and it seemed to me that a great sadness had fallen upon him. You had no choice, I told him. He intended to kill you. I know, Owen, but it gives me no pleasure to cause pain. You understand? I like to hear laughter and song. It was so foolish. We could have sat together and had a drink, told stories and become friends, but no. 
Now he will spend months with broken bones. And for what? Because he has a brother with bad manners. It makes no sense. You're a good man, I said. You are not to blame. I am not a good man. Good men do not break the bones of others. I am weak, freak of friend Owen. I am weak, friend Owen. The doors opened and a group of men entered. I tensed, for one of them was this card, young man, and he was carrying a sword. Oh no, I was put. May saw them and turned his attention to his ear. <laughs> that moment I knew he would leave the Tuscanian to his fate. <laughs> I tapped Pircolo on the shoulder and pointed to the new arrivals. There were five men, all armed with swords and daggers. Pircolo pushed himself to his feet and I rose with him, my hand upon my dagger. Ico also stood, but Mace and Wolf remained where they were, studiously ignoring the proceedings. Pircolo said nothing as the men advanced, but I pushed my way to the front. He is unarmed, I said, keeping my voice even. He is going to die, said the scarred youngster. You think so? Let us see, I said, raising my hand palm upward. First, I created a flash of white light spearing up from the palm to the ceiling. I always find this focuses the attention of the audience. <laughs> the five men jumped back in shock. And now the future. I said this in a loud voice, leaping, keeping their gazes locked to me. Instantly, the image of Horga formed upon my palm, the enchanter standing just over two feet tall. A white dress bellowing in an unseen breeze. I call upon you, Horga, I said, to tell us the future, if you will. And there, are there any here who will die tonight? She floated from my hand, circling the room, pausing now and again above grim-faced men who looked away, licking their lips, trying to still the terror in their hearts. Finally, she returned to my hand and shook her head. But there is to be a fight, I said. Surely, if such a battle takes place, someone will die. She nodded, spun on my hand her finger pointing to the scarred youngster. Golden light blazed from her finger to engulf the young man, and above his head appeared the skull, the universal sign of impending doom. Thank you, Horga, I said, bowing to the image. She, she lifted her arms and disappeared. I turned my attention to the warriors. There has already been a fight, I told them, smiling, an even contest that ended with broken bones. There's no need now for further violence. If you wish it, we will oblige you. I am not free to die, said the youngster, but his eyes betrayed the lie. Of course you are not, I assured him. You are a brave man, you are all brave men, but death is eternal. And I like to think that when my time comes, the maggots fester upon my eyes, I will have died for something worthwhile. And I want my sons, tall sons, to stand beside my bed and bid me farewell with love in their hearts. He should apologize to me, said the young man, pointing to Pierre the giant spread his arms. If that is what you wish, then I do so gladly, he said. I am sorry that you were offended. I am doubly sorry that your brother is hurt. And I am de deeply glad that I not have to kill you. Will you drink with us, Pirkolo? Will you drink with us? Pirkolo will pay. The man nodded and sheathed his sword, the others following his example. They did not stay long, but they drank with us. And the enmity ended there. Just before midnight, a young man entered the tavern and moved between tables collecting coins. Topping before us, she held out a little pouch. To feed the poor and the thick, she said. Each of us gave a silver penny and smiled her thanks. Moved away. Mesa's eyes never left her. What order was she, he asked me. I think she is a Gastogian. They have braided belts with three tassels. Celibates, he asked and nodded. What a waste, he said. wonder if she lives nearby. I know what you be would be thinking, my dear ghost. Were you capable of thought? 
Where is the princess? Where is the great love of the morning star for whom he risked his life on a score of occasions? Climbing tall towers under silver moonlight, journeying into deep spirit, haunted caverns, fighting men and beasts conjured by sorcerers. I could tell you with a degree of truth that she didn't exist, or at least not as the most would have you believe. I will say no more now, for Mace's great love is both a part of my tale, and yet not. I will leave that riddle to be explained in its proper place. Oof. Oof, oof. The woman who gave life to the stories was quite different to begin with. Her hair was not spun gold, nor was her skin alabaster white. She was not tall, standing just over five and a half feet, and her beauty did not make men gasp. She was what some men call a handsome woman. Her features regular, her mouth full and sensible. As to her eyes, they were hazel, the brows heavy, indicators. My experience of a passionate nature. Her name is Astiana. She was the Gastonian sister seeking aims in the tavern. Alms in the tavern. And while it is true that Mace noticed her, it was only in the way he noticed most women. He gave no other thought to her that night, and indeed spent it in the company of a bosom serving girl, with a gap tooth smile and a welcoming eyes. There were no rooms in the tavern. <laughs> And Wolf, Pirkalo, Ilka, and I left the place just after midnight, and I slept in a field close by. Mace found us just after dawn. And we sat and talked for a while. Pirkalo wanted to buy supplies, and since it was market day, he decided to stay in Passel. By mid-morning, we were bored and anxious to be on our way. The town offered little in the way of entertainment, and the market was dull. Pirkalo obtained two sides of ham, a sack of oats, some sugar and salt, and various dried herbs and seasonings. He was content, and we were all ready to move on when Astiana came to the marketplace. She climbed the wooden steps to the auctioneer's platform and began to preach to the crowd, who gathered around to listen. She spoke of love and caring, of the need to help those less fortunate. Her speaking voice was good, though not powerful, and her delivery was less than perfect. She made up for this with passion and belief, her every word hammering home into the hearts of the listeners. Even so, I was surprised that the crowd remained, for she began to criticize and ghost them rule, the unfair taxes and the criminal behavior of the con conquerors. Then she spoke of the hope of the people and cried out the name of Morningstar. Great cheer went up. <coughs> this was dangerous talk, and I looked around, seeking out the militia. They were there, lounging against the walls of nearby buildings, but they made no attempt to stop her. At last, a tall officer with braided blonde hair beneath a helm of iron stepped forward. That is enough, sister, he called. Stiana told him, you shouldn't be ashamed, Brackban. She tried, did you serve the cause of evil upon this land? You have had your quarter hour, Stiana, and now the auctioneer is waiting, and there are cattle to sell. Step down, if you please. The slender man raised her hand. A slender nun raised her hand and blessed the crowd, then walked swiftly from the platform, and I saw Brackban wander away into the nearest tavern. The cattle auction had no interest for me, and I returned to my companions, who were sitting at a bench table near the town centre, enjoying a late breakfast of bread and cheese. She spoke well of me, suddenly, as fine sentiments. She was not speaking of you, Jarek, I told him coldly. You were in a foul temper this morning. Not at all. It's just that I see things more clearly now. Had I done something to offend you, Owen? Pierre Kolo had wandered to that. But, like, honestly, like, he's been seeing a hero this entire time. Like, sure, he has uh, questionable morals, but he acts immediately. Pierre Kolo had wandered to the edge of the crowd, watching. Yeah, like, even when he 
rallied Wolf to go kill the troops at the beginning. He was like, Will you leave your family unavenged, man? And the guy was like, Fuck it! And they all went and killed those guys. And that was good stuff. <clears throat> Fund me? Last night her friend could have been slain, and you did nothing. You left him to his fate. I find that despicable. You did well enough without me, he pointed out. Why should I risk my life for the man? I did not ask him to break the fellow's jaw. It had nothing to do with me. Had it been you under a dark, would you have expected us to stand with you? No, he answered simply. Nor would I have asked you. We were ready to leave when a troop of soldiers rode in, scattering the crowd at the auction, hauling on the reins. The fifty men sat their mounts while their officer mounted and climbed to the platform, pushing aside the auctioneer. I thought there were only 20. By the order of Azric, Lord of the North, he shouted, the town of Passel is now under direct military rule. Ah, so... Okay, some new troops rode in. The militia is hereby disbanded. My name is Lycos, and town leaders will assemble this evening one hour after dusk at the keep, where I shall inform them of the new laws and taxes decreed by the Lord Azric. There will be a curfew at dusk, and anyone found abroad after this will be arrested. There will be no public meetings and no gatherings until further notice. Mm -hmm. focus on drawing processes actually like what to what does it look like for everyone they can always review it if they need to yeah. if you have a question please ask me one after one hour after dusk at the keep where i shall inform them of the new laws and taxes
Tiefkunde bekommen. Schauen wir nach. I love you all, yeah? Keep a smile going and just create what you can create. No gatherings until further notice. It's just that th there was never really a resistance. It's just that they really believed there was a resistance, you know, and kept chasing it the entire time. Assemble this evening. There will be no public meetings and no gatherings until further notice. I saw Blackburn walk from the tavern and stand with arms folded before the newcomer. Passel is not in your lord's domain, he said. You have no authority here. Azric is the lord of the north, the post given to him by Edmund. Edmund, the high king, do you dispute the king's right by conquest? Passel is a free town, also by decree of the king, argued Blackburn. Our taxes are paid in full and held for you at the keep. But we report to the Lord of the Wallace. I repeat, Azric has no authority here. Who are you, soldier? asked Lycus. I am Brackban, captain of the militia. The same Brackban who allows sedation to be preached in the town centre by outlawed sect? Lycus sneered. Since when have the Gastonian nuns been outlawed? answered Brackban. Since their abbess was nailed to the gates of the abbey, shouted Lycus. Arrest him. Several soldiers leapt from their mounts and ran at the captain. Blackburn jumped out, sword hissing from its scabbard. The first man to rush and died instantly, his neck half severed. <laughs> but before the sword could rise again, Blackburn was overcome and become bound and, and borne to the ground. The crowd stood by, silent and uncertain. There is a word of 20 silver pieces to a man or woman who identifies or captures the traitress known as Astania. She will be brought to the keep this evening, or this entire settlement will be judged as traitors. Their property forfeit. I am, Astania came a high, clear voice. <laughs> and I saw a young nun step forward from the back of the crowd. <laughs> Two soldiers moved alongside her, pinning her arms. The crowd surged forward, and the soldiers swung their mounts, many of which were frightened by the sudden movement. One horse went down. I don't believe the crowd intended violence at that moment, but in the confusion, the soldiers drew their swords and lashed out at the town dwellers nearest to them. What followed was panic, rearing horses and people running in every direction, trying to escape the swords of the soldiers. Yeah, I think I'd be explaining the characters' reactions to the things happening more than just having things happen, but it's fine. It was a miracle that no one was killed. Though many were later treated for wounds, deep cuts caused by the slashing sabers. I saw Pircolo shepherding Ikea from the scene, then a horseman moved in, his blade slicing down. Pircolo swayed from back from the cut, grabbed the man by his cloak and hauled him from the saddle. Instantly, soldiers bore down on him. I could try to draw his sword, but Pircolo pushed her from him, sending her sprawling to the ground. I made... 
to rise and run to his assistance, but Jarek Mace grabbed my shoulder. Wait, he ordered. Take him alive, he had like us. And more soldiers leapt from their mounts to rush in toward the Tuscanian. Two he felled with sweeping punches, but he was stripped from behind and fell heavily, striking his head upon a wooden post. Then he was still. Rolling him to his belly, they bound his hands. Wow, that was quick. Mace pulled me back from the table where we sat into the shadows of the eating house. Wolf was nowhere in sight. Lycus strolled down to now, nearly deserted square, and stood before the bound giant. Pircolo was conscious now, and three soldiers hauled him to his feet. I saw you and Ruales, he said. You were the, the man known as the Morning Star. Where is he? I saw you in Ruales. When did you see him in Ruales? They write my autobiography, huh? My autobiography. You will tell me all you know. Pirkelo said nothing and Lycus struck him savagely across the face. You will tell me all you know, he said. Take him away. Mace dragged me back inside the deserted eating house as the soldier prepared to depart. Wolf emerged from a shadowed alcove. What now, Mace? The warrior released his hand on me and rubbed his chin. His eyes thoughtful. No matter what that officer said, the town leaders would have a meeting. Find out where it is to be held. The warrior released his hold on me and rubbed his chin, his eyes thoughtful. The town leaders will have a meeting. Find out where it is to be held. And when they try to gauge the feeling of the militia. And when and try to gauge the feeling of the militia. Is this Brackband popular? And the nun, how do the townspeople feel about her? What are you planning? I inquired. He smiled at me. Why? I should attempt to rescue our friend, of course. Is that not what you would expect from the morning star? Yes, it is, but not what I would expect from you. <laughs> Life is full of surprises, Owen. Ika came in, her eyes wide and fearful, but her compassion determined. She stood before Mace, and he glanced down at her. We will do what we can to free him, he told her. She nodded and tapped the hilt of her saber, even to fighting for him, agreed Mace. She smiled then and took hold of his hand, kissing his fingers. The owner of the eating house came in from the street. He was a tall, fat man with small feet who walked with the grace of a dancer. <laughs> Very curious sight. Bad business, he said, shaking his head. Very bad. What did Brackban mean about Pascal being a free town? I asked him. When the war began, he refused to send men to serve against Edmund. As a reward, he declared Pascal a free borough. No man resident here with land pays tax, but trappers, hunters, and lodgers 
all pay a portion of the profits of the king. The gratitude of kings is short-lived, observed Mace. To the pair so, can fetch you more food, sirs. Mace asked for some toasted bread and cheese. <laughs> I and I ordered hot, hot oats and honey. We sat in silence while the owner prepared our second breakfast. When he returned, Mace bade him join us. And he poured himself a flagon of ale and sat with us. Like, really, aloe moves, man. It's like, I want to be like these people. I want to be completely like these people. Yeah, you count for me and I move. Interesting workout today, I think, in general. Moving my body in very interesting ways. Mm Really, the injury is something I'm pushing against. Big time. Can I fetch you more food, sirs? Mace asked for some toasted bread and cheese, while Uko and I ordered the hot oats and honey. We sat in silence while the owner prepared our second breakfast. When he returned, Mace had made them join us, and he poured himself a flagon of ale and sat with us. Brackband spoke well, said Mace, a good man, replied the owner. That the company of soldiers in the overseas war received a golden medal after the siege of Angkor. Little good it will do him now. We told him to order the nun from Passel. But he refused. God's curse upon women with sharp tongues. <laughs> a pretty young piece, put in Mace. Pretty, I suppose so, but troubled. Spent her days begging for coin and feeding the crippled and the useless. I ask you, what is the point of such actions? A man is useful only as long as he can continue to the general good. Contribute to general good. To feed him thereafter is to waste good food and prolong his agony. But to let he die quietly with dignity. Perhaps he believes all life is sacred, I said softly. Ha! was his first response. Then, last autumn, a tree fell upon the legs of a young logger, crushing the bones beyond repair. The man was finished and ready to die, but no, she takes him in, feeding him, ready, ready, reading to him. The poor soul lived another six months before gangrene finally took him. You think he thanked her for making him suffer? Perhaps he did, I offered, below the table macros. Mace's boot cracked into my shin. Perhaps he did. Woman, he said, they all make us suffer one way or another. But tell me why Brackpan refused to send her away. After all, he was captain of the militia. Besotted with her, I suppose, said the owner. That's all I can think. Now he'll hang for it or worse. Perhaps not, said Mace. Perhaps he'll be rescued. Who knows, the Morning Star may come to his aid. Morning Star? Why would he care what happens in Passel? This is a working town full of working men. They say he's a rebel lord, another cursed Angostin. He'll end up as a duke or something, pardoned by the king. <laughs> they look after their own bastards. I've heard, whispered Mace, leaning in close, that the Morning Star is of the line of Ray- Rabane. Would that, would that were true? But it isn't, man. 
These stories are like children's tales. Men tell them to make us feel there is hope. There isn't hope for the likes of you and me. <laughs> we just earn our bread and hope to stave off sickness and death long enough to sire a family. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that was that was life. That's life, Aslan. This is the world of Angostans, and even if the morning star were Rabian himself, and snuff him out like a candle, pushing himself to his feet, he smiled ruefully. Well, it was nice talking to you. That work to do. Orf returned after an hour or so and slid onto the bench alongside Mace. Brackban is well liked, a regular hero. What about the woman? Tolerated but not loved. She's an outsider and she expects people to live up to the teaching of the church. Not just praying, mind, but actually doing. <laughs> She's made a lot of enemies, uh, most especially the local priest. Stood up in his church and pointed to his whore and his children. Asked him where in the book it says a priest can behave like that. <laughs> in front of the congregation, asked me, amazed, in the middle of his sermon, called him a fornicator. She said that in church, for a nun, she has a little, she has a little shame, spirited though. I don't suppose the priest is campaigning for her release. Wolf chuckled, says she's demon-possessed and ought to burn. What about the meeting? You're right, it is at a barn on the western side of the town. <clears throat> They'll be heading there now. Then let's join them, said Mace. I was baffled by Mace's actions, but I said nothing as we walked through the town. The streets were empty, but there was blood upon the hard-baked clay of the town centre. The barn was tall, used to house all the winter feed for the local cattle. It was situated in a wide meadow surrounded by trees. As we approached it, a militia soldier carrying a spear stepped out into our path. What's your business here? he asked. We have come for the meeting, said Miss. The soldier stared at him for a moment. I don't know you, he said. Yes, you do, my friend, responded Mace with a broad smile, for I am the morning star. And this is Wolf the Hunchback and Owen Odell the Bard. He did not introduce Ilka. The man stepped back, mouth open. If this is some kind of jest, think I would just while my friend is a prisoner in the keep while they prepare Brackbound for hanging? The man was impressed as well he might be. Mace was an inspiring figure, tall, handsome and rakish, a very fabric of legend. The soldier hesitated. I've been told to keep all strangers away, but not you, sir. They do not want me to stop you. God bless you. What the fuck? Mace patted the man's shoulders and we walked on. He turned to me. Make my entrance dramatic, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Two more soldiers stood guard at the double. It's funny how none of them have sleep deprivation after that night, you know, to keep. You're a little late, said one. The meeting has already started. But they had watched us walk past the first sentry and therefore greeted us more warmly. You're a little late, said one. This meeting has already started. May said nothing but strode inside. Some forty men were present, seated on bales of hay, listening to a grey-headed elder who was talking of making an appeal to Azric and Zirako. Mace walked to the front, while Wolf, Aika, 
when I remain behind the listeners. Who are you, sir? demanded the greybeard. I let fly the spell and golden light flared around Mesa's head, rising to form an arced rainbow beneath the rafters. I am the morning star, thundered Mace. He let the words hang in the air for several heartbeats. Then, and I am here to see if you will allow the enemy to hang Brackban. No, we won't, shouted one of the guards, but the assemblyman townsmen sat silently. These were hard-nosed men of business, traders, merchants, landowners. They might have been unhappy over the fate of Brakan, but they would sacrifice him in an instant to save their livelihoods. Mace shook his head. All over the north, the banner of rebellion is being raised. The Angostans are finding that the Highlanders do not make willing slaves. They pay a toll now to travel our roads. They pay it in blood. They will go on paying it in blood until we are free of them. I know what you are thinking, each and every one of you. Do not want war to visit the stand. You do not want to see your buildings burning, your wives raped, your children murdered. You want life the way it was. There is nothing shameful in that, my friends. That is what we all want. But it is too late. In the south of the forest, Angostans have burned and pillaged the settlements. They are bringing in Ikenas to settle the land. Look at the events of today. You are a free town, yet foreign soldiers can ride in, arrest your captain of the militia and take their swords to innocent citizens. What will come next? Taxes will be doubled, tripled. They will take everything you have. And what do you suggest? Asked the elder, who had been addressing the men when we arrived. War? We have just lost the war. All our knights and nobles slain. Angostan knights, stormed Mace. Angostan nobles, north against south. Who cares what happens to Angostans? How many Highland knights were there? How many Highland nobles? But this war we will not lose. Even now I have an army building that will sweep the enemy from our lands. A Highland army. Where is this army? asked another man. I see no warriors. You will see them, my friend. They are not indeed they are not needed here, not where there are parcel men of stout heart and great courage. Highlanders, your house Angostan wealth eaten into your souls, turning your blood to water. It hasn't turned mine to water, shouted the stocky bearded man rising to his feet. What would you have us do? <laughs> Sit down, Jerm, ordered Graveyard. No one here has given this man the right to speak for us. <laughs> <laughs> sit down, Jaren. No one here has given this man the right to speak for us. Yes, sit down, Jaren, said Merrick May. Sit down for injustice. Sit down while they slay your captain. Sit down while they break their promise and rape your wives. Sit down and listen to spineless old fools like this one. No, roared <laughs> Jaren. I'll be damned if I will. <laughs> yes, when my leg was broken the fall before last, it was Brackban who came to my farm and brought in my crops. And you, Serdic. You, who was is, who was it that gathered the men to help you rebuild when the fire gutted your home? And who was it that gathered the men? It was Bar- Brackban. And when raiders took the prize cattle, who was it that hunted them down? Who was it that brought them back to their owners? Is there any man here who would sleep well at night knowing that he did nothing to help Brackban in his hour of peril? Several of the men shouted agreement, but the majority began to talk among themselves, arguing in loud voices. Mace raised his hands for silence, but he had lost the attention of the crowd. I sent up a swift spell sphere, dark and small, that exploded like a thunderclap. There was silence then. All right. Now there is no more time for talk, said Jack Mace. All those who will fight to see Brackman freed walk to the left. Those with no stomach for justice can remain seated. Jane was first to stride across the barn. Others followed until only 17 were still seated. 
May he call the sentries to him. Make sure none of these cowards leave this barn until morning. He said. <laughs> what a madness. Mace dragged the man to his feet. You can't imprison us. A balding, sandy-haired merchant complained. Mace dragged the man to his feet. I can do what I like with you, you gutless piece of horse dung. Be thankful I'm leaving you alive. Hurling the man from him, he swung on the remaining sixteen. There comes a time when a man has to choose sides, he told them. When the day of freedom comes, the Highlanders will know who fought for them and who left them to rot. Then there will be a reckoning. Prepare yourselves for that day. I think he was unfair to them. Several were old men and asked to the others, well, it is no crime for a man to know fear or to need time to reach weighty decisions. Some, no doubt, were family men concerned for wives, children, or infirm parents, but he left them feeling ashamed. We walked into the sunlight where May sat down with chairs and the others. For some minutes, I sat with them, but battle plans and strategies were of little interest to them. And I wandered away with Ica to sit on a stone wall and stare out over the mountains. I had no idea why Mace should suddenly become the hero. For some minutes I sat with them, but battle plans transferred a little interest to them. Then I wandered away that I could sit on a stone wall and stare out over the mountains. I had no idea why Mace should suddenly become the hero, and it unsettled me. I felt I had missed something of import, as indeed I had. Ilka sat beside me and pointed to the heart bag slung from my shoulder. I'm in no mood for music, I told him. She looked crestfallen. I relented. What would you like to hear? A ballad? A dance melody? She shook her head. What then? A marching tune? A battle song? No? Then I'm at a loss, lady. Leaning forward, she touched my chest just above the heart, then gestured toward the trees and the mountains and the sky. Oh, wow. You would like to hear the music of the land? She nodded and smiled. I tuned my heart and, closing my eyes, let my mind flow free my fingers dancing upon the strings. So it was not the music of the land or the trees or the mountains. It was the music of the birth of love as I felt it then on that summer day on a stone wall beneath a cloudless sky. After a while, I opened my eyes. Watching her as she listened, I sat up and I saw that her eyes were moist with tears her cheeks blushed. I know now that she understood my feelings reading the message in my music from the first halting notes. But I was younger then and not so wise. The assembled men discussed this this was a really happy moment. The assembled men discussed plans for attacking the castle for almost an hour before Wolf, his face flushed and angry, heaved himself to his feet and stalked across to where we sat. How goes it? I asked him. He hawked and spit what if if this is all I'm hearing. Let's storm the walls, what if they've lost hot oil? Let's burn the gates, what if they charge out at us? I shall go insane if it carries on much longer. (laughs) Already some of them were losing the will to fight. They ask, what if we win? What then? More troops will be sent, the town will be put to the torch. Surely the taking of such a small keep should pose little difficulty, I said. Really? Well, why don't you go and tell them, General? Mace is just about ready to crack skulls. <laughs> Very well, replacing my heart. Surely the taking of such a small keep should pose little difficulty, I said. Really? Well, why don't you go and tell them, General? Mace is just about ready to crack skulls. Very well. Replacing my harp and his shoulder bag, I strolled back to where the group sat. Wolf followed me, his anger replaced, I think, by amusement. When I saw that expression, my doubts flared. Who was I to plan an attack? What experience could I offer? Mace glanced up as I approached. He too was looking angry. His face flushed. In that moment, I did it would be wrong to offer yet another opinion to the argument. It was time, as my father would have said, for decisive action. Yet even, were, yet even were my plans to be a good one, 
which I was beginning to doubt that it would still take away from Mace, the authority of the morning star, for it should have been he who thought it. Could I speak with you for a moment? I asked him. He nodded and stood. We walked away from the breathing thousand. A gutless bunch of horses, he said. <laughs> we moved out of earshot. They need leading, I told him. I'm trying, Damien. I've never been an officer, and to be truthful, I don't know how to attack a castle safe to storm it. There are 50 men at the keep, I said, keeping my voice low. But they will need to sleep. No more than four or five will be on watch in the darkest hours of the night. But we do not have to storm them. We have already been invited in. Lycos has ordered the town leaders to attend him at dusk. We will just walk in. And then what? He snapped. Once we are inside, he will take Lycos as a hostage. Then I will send a signal to Wolf and the others, and they can disable the sentries and take the keep. As I outlined my plan, I became more nervous, expecting its flaws to be quickly pointed out. Instead, May slapped me on the shoulder. By God, it is worth a try, he said. I'll put it to them. No! <laughs> well, we cannot do it alone. I know, that's what I meant by leadership. You have been a soldier. At what point in battle did the officer say to you, Well, man, I'm thinking about signaling the charge. What do you think? Now is the time to establish your authority. Think like a king, Jack. Praise them for their courage and tell them what they are about to do. His eyes narrowed and he nodded solemnly, standing silently for a moment. What if they laugh in my face or simply refuse? Then you tell them they are not worthy of the morning star and we leave. <laughs> he swore then and rubbed at his chin. By God, he hissed. I'll not be thwarted by this miserable bunch. If it is a performance that's needed, then that's what they'll get. This is such a good book, I love it. He grinned at me, then returned to the waiting group. But this time he did not sit among them. He stood with hands on hips, waiting. The conversation died down. I have listened to all that has been said, he told them, speaking slowly and with great authority. You are all Highlanders. You have courage. I am proud that you have chosen to stand beside me. Very proud. But the time for talking is done. Lycus has called for the town leaders to attend him at the keep. Ten of us will go. Wolf, you and the others will remain outside, hidden. Now, I have already commended your curse, but the eight men who walk into that keep beside Owen and me must be warriors, swordsmen, daggermen, men who will know how to fight. I cannot judge which of you are the best. You must decide that. Do it now while I explain to Wolf what needs to be done. Signaling the hunchback to him, he turned his back on them and strolled away once more. I watched the men, saw the change in them as fresh confidence filled them. For a moment only they were... For a moment only they were silent, then they began to talk of skills with the blade. Who should go, who should stay, from fear, born and decision, they were now vying for the right to accompany the morning star. I held a smile from my face, approached Mace and Wolf. You have them, I told them, that was well done. So easily swayed, he said, contempt in his voice. It is a valuable lesson to learn. Men will always follow confident leaders, even if they, the way is fraught with peril. <coughs> well, it is that, said Wolf, ten men walking into the enemy's fortress. I think you are insane. In that moment, I felt a terrible weight of responsibility upon me. It was my plan, and on it rested Pirkala's chance of life. I cared little for Blackburn or the woman, since I did not know them. But the giant Tuscanian was my friend, and my fears for him were great. All my nervousness returned with doubled force. I have said that I had little interest in matters of strategy. That was because my father and brothers were masters of the art. Young Owen, on the other hand, was a simpleton in such matters. I thought of the plan again, imagining my father examining it. Its one strength was its simplicity. But the weaknesses were many. I had tried not to think of all that could go wrong. But if I was worried at that moment, it was nothing compared with the nervousness I felt as we approached the keep. The sun had vanished behind the great peaks to the west. 
and the sky was the colour of blood as we walked slowly up the hill. The round tower with its gates of oak was a simple structure, no more than 60 feet high and perhaps 150 feet in circumference. So he sent Wolf to find out where the elders are going to to have a gathering, even though the soldiers said that there should be no gathering. Crazy. Good stuff. He found that out in like an hour, right? Ah. But if I was worried at the moment, nothing could have compared, blah, 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 blah. I had seen many such. On the ground floor would be the dining hall, on the first, the sleeping area. Its double-tied rows of pallet beds on the third was situated the home, hearth of the captain and his lady. Usually two rooms, a small bedroom and a dining area. Above that was the roof, from which archers could send down arrows, spears or hot pitch on any invading force. The small dungeons, perhaps two cells, would usually be dug into the hillside below the keep. I guess that Lycus would see us in his rooms on the third floor. We could see a single sentry upon the roof, leaning over the battlements and looking down as we approached. He shouted an instruction to the gatekeeper. We heard the bar lift and the gates open. Two armed men stood behind, beyond them. All weapons to be left here, said the first. We had expected this and Mace unbuckled his sword belt, followed by Sharon and the other men most of whom were Brock Barnes militant soldiers. Nice. None was wearing armor now, but loose-fitting tunics and leggings of wool. The swords and knives were left on a bench inside the doorway. One of the sentries moved forward to search Mace. As he did so, I set a tiny sound spell into the man's right ear, buzzing like an insect. He jumped and twisted. When the sound moved behind him, he turned swiftly. What's the matter with you? The second sentry asked. Cursed wasp, said the first. Are we st to stand here all night, asked Mace. The man swore, for the buzzing had sounded by his left ear now. Take them up, he ordered the second man. Slowly we filled after the sentry into the dining hall area, where several soldiers were seated at a bench table, eating soup and bread, and onto a win winding stone stair that led up through the sleeping quarters where around 20 warriors were lounging on their beds. Something about the scene rounds my fears, but there was nothing overtly threatening, and I forced myself to stay calm. I forced myself to stay calm. At the next floor, to the right of the stair, was a door open which the sentry rapped his knuckles. Enter, came a muffled voice from within. Just as the soldier laid his hand on the catch, Sharon slid a short iron bar from his sleeve, cracking it down on the man's neck. 